Welcome back to Drip, a DC coffee podcast. A topic I find especially interesting is the positive impact the DC coffee community can have domestically and internationally. In this time of good cheer and holiday spirit, I feel it is important to give thanks and reflect on how blessed we are. It's also important to note that sometimes I forget or choose to look past a group of people that most, if not all district residents, walk by every day, the homeless. And I imagine I'm not alone. In episode one, Meet District of Coffee, Lauren Rogers mentioned the good work of District Mugs. After researching the organization, I was inspired by their work and reevaluated how the coffee community gives back to DC, whether directly or tangentially using coffee. In the case of District Mugs, they have not forgotten the homeless, and they use mugs, a vital part of the coffee experience, to give back. District Mugs is a volunteer group that introduces entrepreneurship and business concepts to homeless men and women in Washington, D.C. by teaching them how to design, market, and sell coffee mugs. And today, we get to hear from founder Shreya Bargaba. So sit back, enjoy your cup of coffee, and enjoy the episode. Yeah, so we'd love to hear just a little bit about you and kind of what you do in D.C. We'll start with that. I grew up in India in an upper middle class family, but growing up in India, you know, a lot of people around me were struggling to make ends meet. This income inequality always just gave me a deep sense of discomfort, which is why growing up, I decided to study economics at uh, Brown University. After I graduated from Brown, I moved to DC to work for an economic consulting company. But for my personal fulfillment, I started volunteering at a homeless shelter early last year. At the shelter, I heard the stories of many homeless individuals. I just really felt compelled to do something that could really enrich their lives, something that could impact their lives and eventually help them out of homelessness. So a year ago, I started District Monks, which is a nonprofit that introduces entrepreneurship to the homeless in D.C. by teaching them how to run a business of painting, marketing and selling coffee mugs. I have been able to help uh, more than 17 homeless men and women to date. And, uh, you know, it continues to be an incredibly rewarding, although tough journey where I have collaborated with other nonprofits, gotten a fiscal sponsor for um, District Mugs and become an entrepreneur myself. So why did you initially start volunteering at the homeless shelter? I wanted to volunteer because even though my job is is great and I really enjoy my job, but I Mm. still wanted to be doing something that was really impacting people yeah. around me and you know the community around me when i moved to dc i was i was really seeing a lot of homeless individuals on the streets which was not something that i saw so much when i was at the brown university campus and you know i was really in a bubble but that bubble was broken when i moved to dc and i just wanted to help people around me yeah and so where did you start volunteering initially to support the homeless people I was volunteering at um, ASPAN, which is a homeless shelter in Arlington, Virginia. I, it's about two blocks away from my apartment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's only they have a morning breakfast shift. You can come in from 6 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. and come help serve breakfast. So that was the only time that worked with my work schedule. So I started doing that. Oh, that's great then. Mm-hmm. That's 
And that, uh, so would you do it on the weekends or right before work? I would do it weekdays, um, every morning, Monday through Friday. Every morning, Monday through Friday. Yeah. <laughs> and so did you develop any relationships with specific people who are homeless or who weren't homeless and were working there? Mm, yeah, I, every morning while serving breakfast, I, you know, started talking with some of the people there, um, just really learning about their lives and uh, how they became homeless, what they were doing before they became homeless. Some of them were actually employed, but, uh, you know, were just having a, a major transition, like they, they're getting divorced or, you know, something like that. Or a lot of them are just victims of, you know, bad econ- economy and they just can't mm-hmm. find jobs. Or a few of them were also just people who were suffering with some kind of mental illnesses and just cannot get a job. So, you know, talking with these people really helped me look over the stereotypes that are associated with a lot of homeless individuals. A lot of times when people, you know, see homeless individuals, their first instinct is to think about why can't they just get a job? But when I started talking with these homeless individuals, I realized that there's much more beyond that statement and you know, for a lot of these people, getting a job is not an answer and sometimes not even possible. Yeah. And mm-hmm. do you mind talking a little more about that? Because that's one thing, you know, that I have experienced walking around D.C. I think everybody who lives in D.C. has experienced walking past a homeless person or interacting, giving money, whatever it is. But there are those stereotypes. So what what is the appropriate perception of people who are homeless? You know, I mean, I, I'm anyways new to the whole, uh, you know, concept of homelessness, mm. even after having worked with District Marks for a year and a half now. But, you know, there's obviously the, the panhandlers and, you know, people who might not be homeless but pretend to be homeless. Um, but there's always the other side, which is, you know, people who are really struggling. You know, there's in District Marks, I've had women who are, you know, 60 years old, left their apartment because it got flooded and they have five children who live in the city but they're still living in a homeless shelter which is just really really sad it's stories like these that make you really see beyond where they're coming from they're really trying but at the same time you know situations that are certain circumstances that make it really difficult for them to really break the barriers of homelessness Mm -hmm. and it's hard to get that if you're not yeah, interacting with somebody who is homeless regularly, right? Right, yeah. Nobody's just going to tell you that on the street. Right, yeah. Also, I mean, most of us or, you know, most people who are probably even listening to this mm-hmm. podcast have access to a lot of different resources. We've all had the opportunity to go to school, the opportunity to go to college, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe supportive family and friends who've been with us through thick and thin. But a lot of these people haven't. You know, they don't just don't have the resources, and so they don't have the opportunities to really do anything to change their lives and so that makes it really difficult for them what or how did it really come to fruition in your mind this idea of district mugs january last year i started volunteering at the homeless shelter in uh, arlington Mm -hmm. by march i realized that there was a, a gap in terms of the kind of workshops that the homeless shelters were providing to individuals and between getting a job and the kind of skills they were providing through existing workshops like they had drawing workshops they had knitting workshops and then they had the resume writing workshops when i tried to help with one of the resume writing workshops and i was interacting with the homeless man 
I realized that he was going to all the workshops that this organization was providing. But, you know, when I was trying to help him write his resume, there was really not much that we could talk about. There was not much business skill that or many transferable skills that he could really use to get a job for himself. And so I really noticed this gap and I wanted to bridge that gap and just provide them an opportunity to learn some kind of transferable skills that um, these individuals can eventually use to either start their own small business or to seek employment. And so the goal of District Mugs is much more than producing and selling coffee mugs. It's more about teaching them entrepreneurship and basic business concepts. And coffee mugs is just a way or a product that we use to teach the concept of business. But why coffee mugs? So in March, when I started thinking about uh, you know workshops that these folks could do to learn some skills, I tried a lot of do-it-yourself ideas mm-hmm. <laughs> that I could find on the internet. They're all over the internet. And uh, I'm not an artist. I studied economics and math in college, so I know nothing about art. And um, I tried a lot of ideas at home. I tried do-it-yourself jewelry ideas, do-it-yourself knitting, you know, making hats with, uh, you know, wool. And uh, then I came across do-it-yourself mug ideas. And uh, it kind of seemed (laughs) reasonable. So I tried a few at home. I showed them to my my roommates. I showed them to my friends. And uh, they looked really good. And I figured that, okay, if I'm not an artist, then I can make something look good. And, you know, maybe people might be willing to buy this. So I figured, you know, mugs might be a a good idea. And I looked up that mugs are something that obviously people love to buy all the time. They make for amazing uh, presents. And so I, you know, slowly started looking up more ideas on coffee mugs. I started talking to people who were already selling do-it-yourself coffee mugs on the internet to just learn more about how to do it and what are some of the effective ways to do it, what kind of paints to use. Um, the mugs need to be baked after we paint them. And so what is a good way to bake them? Is this um, just a general oven or yeah, something? Yeah, okay. I mean, at a home oven. Or what kind of uh, a sealant to use to make sure that the mugs last long enough. So these are some of the, the things that I, I spent a lot of time researching. And then in... Uh, so right now I'm just envisioning like 500 mugs in your oven. Is that what ends up happening? No, I mean, it was, it was about... I, I bought a dozen mugs. Okay. I started with a, a dozen, a few trial and errors. I bought all the markers that I needed, the paints that I needed to paint the mugs at home. Sent pictures of those mugs to my family and my friends to ask them how they looked. And they looked pretty decent, so I figured if I could do them, anyone else could too. Yeah. And that's how the the idea of mugs came. I have to confess, I'm not much of a coffee drinker, so um, you know, it wasn't more. It wasn't so much about coffee, but it was more about being resourceful and just coming up with a product that people could add value to and sell eventually. Yeah, that's okay. You don't have to be a coffee drinker <laughs> to be on the podcast. <laughs> uh, most people are, but that's okay then. Mm-hmm. If you're not a big one. I just have a special, different connection with coffee, yeah. I guess. <laughs> no, which is really exciting. And I know you asked me to take off the question about what's your coffee community, but in a lot of ways, it sounds like you're building your own coffee community, whether it's directly drinking coffee or it's this other avenue of connecting with coffee, which is just as neat. Yeah. Are there any coffee shops 
in D.C. that have picked up on this idea and tried to support you all in some way? Um, not yet. We're still working on uh, having our mugs sold in two coffee shops that are in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have uh, the ministry, which is a coffee shop that will start in, in February in really at Union Station. They're going to be selling our coffee mugs at their premises. But otherwise, a lot of our work recently has been, uh, you know, bulk orders. People, as people have heard about us, they've, you know, emailed us or reached out to us and asked us to make specific kind of mugs for their events or their offices. So we've been doing a lot of that recently. And we also do a lot of pop-ups. So we just go into a store and we'll set up a table for the weekend. And people walking into the store can just stop by our table and... uh, pick up a mug for us, suggest a donation of $10 or more. Okay. The ministry, are they already opened? I haven't heard. No, they're, they're opening in February. Okay. And they're a DC coffee shop. Yeah. You did your market research or just research on what would be the best potential product to kind of help teach these entrepreneurship goals. From there, I mean, how do you start a nonprofit? How did you start your nonprofit? And then how did you build the support to actually start at teaching these courses? So once I figured I wanted to use coffee mugs as a product, I did more research to find out and learn more about homeless individuals. I emailed almost every nonprofit in D.C. that I could reach and just asked them to set up informational interviews with me. I would either talk to them on the phone or, if possible, in person and just learn more about the homeless community in D.C. and what these organizations are doing to help the homeless individuals. That was very useful for me because it helped me just learn more about people I was going to be working with and what were some things that I needed to be careful about. Like the homeless community is very transient and very difficult to catch hold of. And, uh, you know, it's not always their fault. It's just they have a lot of difficulties even, you know, waking up in the morning because we we have a bed that we sleep in every night and taking a shower is is really simple for someone like us it's not something we even think about consciously but for a homeless individual taking a shower might mean walking miles to be able to get a, a place to shower and maybe that shower is only accessible at a certain times of the day so even little things like these are, are really difficult for them And so I did a lot of research just trying to learn more about people that I wanted to work with. And once I had that figured, I started pitching my idea to a lot of different nonprofits. And the idea, 13. 13 (laughs) nonprofits nonprofits. pitching this idea. And I would go in, I would explain to them what the idea was. I obviously had no track record. I was this 23-year-old individual just fresh out of college trying to start a completely unheard of uh, non-profit idea. And the goal was to to really, you know, use the concept of frugal innovation, which is basically creating maximum value using as few resources and having as little cost as possible. So the idea was that I would go into different non-profits and use their space and work with people that were already coming there for other activities like attending other workshops or eating meals or taking showers 
so that I didn't have to, you know, find a space for district marks on my own or try and get access to homeless individuals. And um, the idea was that every week for two hours, um, you know, I would go in. The first hour would be a formal business lesson. So we have a little PowerPoint that we will go over every week and talk about it with the participants in the program. It's very interactive. It's really for them to to learn about business. And if there's any specific business ideas that they have, you know, they can talk about the business ideas in the workshop. So that is a six-week workshop. And, uh, you know, after six weeks, they just do the second hour of the workshop, which is painting mugs. When I started, I was doing everything by myself. But over time, I, you know, posted some job listings, some volunteering opportunities on local websites in D.C., and um, started getting professional artists to volunteer and actually teach people how to paint these coffee mugs and make sure that the mugs look really good. Mm. So the second hour is dedicated just to painting the coffee mugs. And then uh, on the side, we make sure that the mugs are baked and uh, you know safe for use. And then every few weeks, we'll do a pop-up or we'll deliver the mugs if it's a bulk order. So you did 13 informational interviews or pitches and then what happened after that did somebody jump at the idea and start to support you or yeah i reached out to street sense which is here in uh, metro center and i talked with uh, someone there i met with him for coffee and uh, within a week he responded saying they love the idea and wow. they wanted to go ahead with it so I think a month later, I was there, you know, starting my workshops every Thursday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. I would go in and I had, uh, we did a little pilot program first. We had four participants only. We kind of made it sound more exclusive, but the idea was just to see if if the the workshop really worked or not. So we started out with four participants and, uh, you know, every week they would show up. They would make some really cool coffee mugs. We did our first sale at uh, the the church where Street Sense's office is on a Sunday. We sold our mugs for five dollars each, and uh, we did really well. And after that, I figured, okay, maybe this idea works, <laughs> and so we opened it up to other individuals who were coming to Street Sense. And we now have about eighteen participants, and we operate out of Thrive DC, which is in Columbia Heights. And we're working with uh, individuals from three different nonprofits. We're working with homeless individuals who come to Thrive DC, as well as individuals who are either suffering from uh, autism or Down syndrome. And they, they belong to the Phase 2 Academy, which is also a nonprofit. And we're also working with uh, single mothers from Sasha Bruce Youth Work. That's pretty exciting. Then. So you went from... 13 from uh, four participants on day one to more than more than 17 men and women right now yeah and and so why do these participants why are they interested in this program or do they just love coffee mugs or are they fascinated by entrepreneurship and, and want to get involved that way um, every individual that comes into the district mugs program has has different kind of motivations some of them really want to learn about business and so you know they're really in it for the business lessons a lot of them like making art on coffee mugs it's very therapeutic and uh, you know it's also just a great time for them to be welcomed into a space and really have you know a sense of community have people to talk with them 
And so a lot of them even just love that. Um, but most importantly, you know, it's, it's an avenue for them to make some money. So every time we sell a mug, we give more than 80% of the revenue from the sale of the mug to the p- person who painted the mug. So the more mugs they make, the more incentive for them to sell and earn more money. Yeah. So, you know, in addition to providing them transferable skills, it's really the small income that is an incentive for them to come back to the workshop every week. You talked a little bit there about kind of some some of the impact and, and why people do it. How do you gauge impact um, in your work? So every time a participant enrolls in the strict mugs, we do an informational interview with them where uh, we try to collect information on them. What have they been doing and how did they become homeless? Uh, what is their educational background? If they have any income from other sources? So we, we really try to learn as much as possible about them. And, um, you know, every month I will try and talk to these individuals, just see how they're doing and, you know, learn more about what's happening, how, and, you know, really try to collect data on how District Mugs is helping them. We're always monitoring how much income each individual is earning, how many mugs they're producing, what kind of mugs they're producing. If, you know, we have a lot of data on what kind of mugs they're trying to reproduce. So maybe, you know, they made a mug with, which has a cat and they figured that the mug was selling more. So maybe now they're trying to make more of those cat mugs. So we're trying to monitor all of these data points. And, you know, given that I, I love economics and maths and I am a consultant, um, you know, I, I really, you know, try to measure these and, and keep tabs on uh, what is really happening in the in the lives of these individuals. And even if nothing, you know, we're always trying to at least qualitatively see how these people are enjoying the workshop. Are there any specific stories that really struck a chord with you in regards to kind of showing you what you're doing is is making an impact or showing you that you're doing the right thing? Yeah, there's uh, a couple of stories, actually. One of our uh, participants, he is selling his mugs on Etsy.com. His store is called One Million Mugs by Morgan. <laughs> um, so that's really amazing to see. Now he, he just makes his mugs by himself and sells it on Etsy. We helped him set up his store and, you know, learn how to do things online, which he wasn't familiar with before. But he's one of the few participants who actually has a bank account, and so he can wow. do something like this. There is another participant who um, is uh, 56 years old. She accidentally discovered her passion for photography when she was helping a district mugs volunteer click pictures of uh, coffee mugs, and uh, over time, you know, she would help him more and more with pictures and started taking pictures uh, herself with his camera. And uh, she then applied to University of D.C. early this year and uh, is now studying photography and business at uh, UDC. That's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And then we have a couple who are who just take their mugs and, and you know, sell it to their friends and family or use them as presents. So that's also helped them earn a small income. Mm-hmm. And so some people that are homeless, excuse me if this is a naive question, but some people that are homeless, they're still very much connected to their family. They just don't have a home or 
Yeah, a lot of these individuals, it's surprising that a lot of these individuals are still in touch with their family and and even see their families often. And uh, you know, in fact, it's very heartbreaking that a lot of these family members also use their help at times when needed. And, uh, you know, I've had, I've had the opportunity to work with some of the most amazing homeless individuals. And, you know, even though they have so much going on in their own lives, they're always happy to help without the bat of an eyelid. And, you know, they'll come help you whenever you need them. And so it's, it's very inspirational to see that even though they don't have much, they'll give you whatever they have. Yeah. Does anybody inspire you to keep doing this? I definitely have a lot of people who have been very supportive throughout starting District Mugs and uh, keeping District Mugs going and uh, making it grow. When I started District Mugs, I was um, getting advice from one of my entrepreneurship professors at Brown. I just reached out to him and I said, I want to do this. What do you think? Is this really stupid or do you think this could work? And uh, he said, you have to start it to see if it'll work. So every step of the way, you know, every week I was, I was setting up a call with him. I would have a list of questions to ask him. And I would say, I this might seem very stupid, but I'm doing this for the first time. And so, you know, please just tell me what I should do. So, you know, I had a lot of uh, support from uh, him when I started. And then uh, one of my managers from work, he also really helped me all along the way, just giving me advice and more than anything, just, you know, shutting me down when my ideas seemed very crazy or giving me the go ahead when he thought my ideas were good. And, you know, just acting as a devil's advocate, even that was very helpful to me. Over time, you know, I I slowly just built a network of fellow entrepreneurs and, you know, fellow startup and social entrepreneurs. And just talking to them was also really helpful because, you know, they've probably been through a difficulty or a similar situation that I have to face. And so just talking to these individuals was really helpful to find solutions to certain problems. So for a long time, District Marks was a part of uh, Street Sense. And, um, you know, we at some point we had to become a nonprofit by ourselves. But uh, given that I I'm not a citizen in this country or not. I don't hold a green card mm-hmm. and I'm here on a work visa. There are a lot of restrictions on what I can do uh-huh. outside of my full-time job. And, uh, you know, these kind of restrictions just made it very difficult for me to keep district monks from, you know, keep it growing and keep sustain the organization. And so I learned about one of my friends who had a social enterprise uh, when she was in college, told me about the concept of fiscal sponsorship, which is uh, basically there's nonprofits that use their nonprofit status to adopt other nonprofits and, you know, give them the tax, the tax protection that they need, which is why, you know, I reached out to a few nonprofits that do this and I found uh, FNC, which is based in Philadelphia, and they are our parent nonprofit and District Mugs is a part of FNC. And uh, you know, they take care of all of our accounting and handle all of our money. Oh, that's great. What's FNC stand for? It's a Federation of Neighborhood Centers in Philadelphia. Okay. That seems like a pretty big barrier to have to overcome. Right. To get but it it's, off it's the definitely very, very helpful for just anyone who's just starting a nonprofit 
or just you know taking some time to find their their way through the nonprofit world and just having this fiscal sponsor as a support system is is really important getting advice from them and bouncing ideas off of them is also just really helpful to me yeah and what other barriers or difficult issues did you have to overcome or go around to to get district mugs off the ground or for continued operations when i started you know definitely money was an issue i was willing to make an investment uh, myself to start district mugs but uh, luckily i found an organization that was willing to uh, donate money to start district mugs and help get it off the ground yeah and uh, so you know that was really helpful when we started there were obviously legal and accounting issues when i started because uh, you know there's a lot of technicalities associated with that and and the way taxes work in non in dc and especially with nonprofits so all of this had to be figured out and i was able to find a lot of lawyers and accountants who were willing to help pro bono when i started district mugs so that was you know, I, i somewhat i got lucky with that yeah but otherwise i think the main constraint for me was just time and uh, balancing district marks with my full-time job that was definitely the the biggest uh, constraint and the hardest thing that i i had to figure out and you've had nice uh, support externally with a network to help the fiscal sponsor and then also lawyers and and people to help fund you initially what's the team look like now for district marks So now we have a formal advisory board with uh, three advisors. We have the fiscal sponsors um you know they're readily available just an email away or a phone call away whenever I need anything. There is a group of seven volunteers including me. There is me, there's a, a co-director. We have uh, three professional art teachers who circle every week and uh, will come and teach the workshops and then we have two more students who've just started um, interning at district mugs and are helping manage the logistics of district mugs and really trying to come up with more creative ideas and fun things that we can do at district mugs so a lot of our time was first spent doing you know the pop-ups but now because we've been around for a year and uh, an organization like district mugs even though we're volunteer and we still need money to to run our operations and you know we pass almost everything from the the sale of the mugs to our participants and don't really make any money off of that we're coming up with creative ways to fundraise for ourselves so we've started doing sip and paint events for uh, large groups and uh, companies recently we did one uh, at my full-time job we just had people um, you know the company provided the sip part they provided wine and refreshments and uh, we brought the mugs and the supplies we had our professional art teachers and uh, you know they just walked through the entire group with how to paint a specific kind of coffee mugs and at the end of the event if people wanted to take the mugs home we asked them to make a donation of $5 to district mugs so that we could recover our costs yeah. or otherwise they could just paint the mug and give it back to district mugs which we would sell for our fundraising purposes it sounds pretty fun mm-hmm. so it was it was really fun people really enjoyed it and we're doing this again in 2 weeks same company no with the uh, the brown university alumni in dc 
Okay. That sounds mm-hmm. great then. Yeah. So if you have a company out there and you want a fun holiday event or after it, they should contact you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, people love these ideas. You know, we teach them how to make mugs with specific words written on them. So people made mugs which had mom written on it. People made mugs with their own names. Um, made mugs Hopefully they their, took those mugs home. If they for their, their partners. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they were to give the mug back to District Mugs, it needs to have something generic like mom or dad or brother or sister or love, you know, something generic. But if they wanted to take their mugs home, most of them wrote their own name or their partner's name or a sibling's name. That's fun. Mm -hmm. That's really fun. You've probably seen a lot of mugs. What's been your favorite or one of your favorite mugs about maybe the most creative you've seen or the most... The one that you want to drink out of most, what did that look like? I have a lot of District Monks mugs at home. I absolutely love every single mug that comes out of District Monks. Our art instructors usually do the quality check. If a mug is not worthy of being at a selling table, (laughs) the participant will have to redesign the mug. And, uh, you know, we we obviously want them to have a lot of uh, freedom to express their creativity but at the same time, the mug cannot look like it's been designed by a five-year-old or, you know, a, a painting, which is, is not really pretty. So we, we try to, you know, avoid that. And, and our art instructors make sure that the mugs really look a certain quality because they're being sold for $10 or more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... My favorite mug yeah. is definitely... We have a mug which has... Um, and a little elephant on it. That one is is uh, one of my most favorite ones. Another one is um, we had a, a participant who designed a little scenic picture on the mug. It had like a, a home with like two children playing and a, a kite on the top with like mountains at the back. That one is is um, you know the moment I saw that mug I I just kept it I just took it I bought it for myself <laughs> didn't want to give it to anyone else. Um, there's a unicorn mug that I I absolutely love but uh, someone else bought it couldn't <sighs> couldn't take it for myself. Tough luck, tough luck. And then there we have the cat mugs which I absolutely love even though I don't have a cat I don't have any pets but I love the cat mug. I think I've seen some pictures on it of it online. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I think everyone really loves Likes the cat, cat mug. mugs. And so are all the mugs one type of mug or are they different shapes and sizes? We usually just have two shapes. One is like a, a square kind of a mug and the other one is a more typical mm-hmm. round mug. We buy these mugs from the dollar store for a dollar each and uh, you know, the whole art really goes on those mugs but uh, you know we've done some specific custom orders if people sometimes companies want a specific quality of mug in which case we have them order the mugs for us and we just paint the mugs and give it back to them so it really is you know we're flexible and we're just trying to combine being a non-profit as well as the professionalism from the for-profit world and the the flexibility that the for-profit world offers and, you know, trying to make the most of every opportunity that we can get to sell our mugs and make more mugs. That's great. Mm -hmm. And you've probably never been asked this question. Maybe you have, but I have this one mug, Intelligentsia's mug. Mm -hmm. I just love the way it fits in my hand and it 
holds my coffee perfect and it keeps it warm, but it's just like it is the right mug for me. Um, what is the right mug for you or what do you think is the best, the optimal mug for drinking a hot beverage, whether it's coffee or tea or whatever it is? As a tree drinker, I haven't been asked that question before. <laughs> but um, no, any. I think I, I really like the mugs by District Mugs. I, I usually use the smaller, the square shape that we have. I do have some of the other, like we have a few specific red and black and yellow other color mugs. So I also really like these little black round coffee mugs that, okay. that we've had a few times, but not very picky about my Fair. Maybe I'm just unique, mug. but I like the shape of that mug. So mm -hmm. I'll have to look and buy a, a District Mugs mugs. Yeah. Different yes. <laughs> District Mug mug mm -hmm. and see how it is. You've probably been to some DC coffee shops, though, right? Yeah, Maybe. yeah. Okay. I've definitely been to coffee shops, but a lot of the times I've bought tea or okay. maybe hot chocolate or just snacks or, or food. Well, it's important for them to have those, too, right, for mm -hmm. the people who don't like it. But what coffee shops have you enjoyed, whether you bought coffee there or not? Which ones have you enjoyed and, and why? I really like... Um, Compass Coffee. Huh? I love all the food that they have. I really like their hot chocolate. I haven't had their coffee ever. Um, usually coffee for me is, is if I really need to stay awake for a project late night or, you know, I, I just need to be up <laughs> or awake early in the morning when I'm traveling. So it's usually a Starbucks coffee, uh, a pretty ordinary mocha or something. But another place I really loved is um, Calabash Tea. It's a Jamaican tea cafe in Shaw. Okay. I, I really Calabash have, Tea. Yeah. Do you mind spelling that? C-A-L-A-B-A-S-H. Okay. We've partnered with them before as well, and they, they did a little workshop where they sold our coffee mugs. So I really I really enjoyed their, their teas as well. Yeah. Do you like the atmosphere in the shop too? Yeah, yeah, the shop is, is very homely. It's it's very cozy and, and nice. But, um, yeah, I think even I've, I've had their tea to go a lot of times as well. So um, it's I really like the that place. Okay, I'll have to check it out. I haven't been. I heard a lot of people, even coffee shops, burn the tea a lot. Is, is that the case? Has that been your experience? I mean, like coffee shops will usually just give you hot water with a, a tea bag in it. So it's not not extraordinary. It's just, you know, tea that I could make at home by myself. But um, I would definitely say Calabash tea is, is really good tea. But otherwise, I haven't been to that many tea yeah. cafes in D.C. What would, so besides just throwing a tea bag in the hot water, how do you make tea really good? Um, I drink a lot of uh, mint green tea at work um, it's something it's like my go-to drink and I you will usually see me holding a, a cup of uh, that tea in my hand but in India we, we drink a lot of chai and uh, that's just black tea with milk and sugar so I sometimes make that at home too on the weekends it's just a nice nice little thing it's a refreshing drink it's hot but it's it's really nice and wakes you up yeah that sounds pretty good a little more thickness to it than maybe just a, a tea bag and water mm -hmm. with the green. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's I I love that tea, and you can you know a lot of people dip cookies in that tea and, and eat that too. So that sounds good. I love that part too. <laughs> At least with coffee, there's. Sorry, I have to talk a little bit about coffee with the and some of the similarities in regards to like how hot the water is and causes different extraction from the coffee and it makes sense that that's probably pretty similar with the tea right um, I mean okay. the Indian tea is very different you know just because it has milk in it and uh, you actually cook the tea you cook it in a stove with water and you put in tea leaves and you put in milk and sugar and you strain it once it's cooked yeah. okay so it's so, like in a pot and you throw all of it together and heat yeah it up yeah and then you, strain you usually it make it in a cup and it's it's very common in india you'll find it on the streets you will find it in every single household you might not find coffee but you will definitely find tea in every single indian household has there ever been an instance where it's like oh i get tea so i didn't go get coffee with people or um it's never really been a problem you know when my coworkers and I were taking a break we'll just come into the the cafe at work and they'll get their coffees and I'll get my tea and you know it's the same thing everyone's drinking out of a mug so it never seems different if they're doing a Starbucks run or you know, people are just going out to get a coffee or something I'll probably get a tea or maybe a smoothie So it's never been a problem not drinking coffee has never you know been a barrier or forced me to leave out of social outings or anything like that. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. I uh, feel like coffee drinkers can sometimes be slightly snooty about their their specialty coffee or whatever it is, but I like to think of us as a welcoming community and just for people who are listening and you've already I think touched upon different parts of how it would be to start a nonprofit but in real short couple sentences if you can even break it down that far cuz pretty complex but if i want to start a nonprofit what do i do starting a nonprofit is not difficult there's just a few forms that you need to fill out with the dc government it's a very simple process but i would say keeping the nonprofit running and just giving the IRS a regular update with your taxes and accounting is a more complex process which is why for most people who are just starting out a non-profit i would recommend using a fiscal sponsor as a a more viable and feasible idea just when you're starting out because uh, most of these fiscal sponsors will take 10% of your revenues but will manage all of your money all of your bank accounts and all of your reporting to the IRS Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That could be an incredibly uh, difficult administrative burden. So, where's District Mugs in 2018, and where's District Mugs five years from now in, in 2023? In 2018, we're just still trying to focus on the participants that we have at the moment, and uh, really try to work harder with them, and you know, try and get them more income. We've now started with this system where if a participant has been with us for two months, we will let them take some mugs home to paint and bring back, so that they can produce more mugs. But um, the whole idea is to really see in 2018, you know, what other kind of creative ideas we can come up with. You know, I really want district mugs to be in the startup stage as long as possible. So I think 2018 would just focus on working with the participants that we have at the moment and seeing how we can 
maximize uh, their income and how they can benefit more and more from district marks in 5 years from now i would want district marks to be a workshop that runs in every non-profit in dc that is working with homeless individuals we want to have more and more people benefit from the district marks workshops and uh, you know maybe at that time district marks might not be called district marks it might be more than coffee marks just to provide a livelihood to individuals but the goal would be to you know provide them an actual livelihood as opposed to just a small income that we provide now that's pretty exciting mm-hmm. to stay in that area mm-hmm. and then also to grow maybe in five years maybe not but uh, right. serving mm-hmm. the community in other ways right yeah and so speaking of people in dc or the coffee community in dc We'll stick with just the people in D.C. for right now. What can they do to support District Monks? There's a lot of things they can do. They can volunteer their time with District Monks, either by volunteering, by teaching in our workshops, or just helping us manage and run District Monks. Um, people can obviously buy our coffee mugs. They make excellent uh, presents and gifts. Or they can donate money to District Monks to keep us running and help us grow. Next thing on our agenda is to help set up bank accounts for all of our participants, and that requires a $25 minimum balance. And so we're we're trying to raise about $600 um, for that for a few of our participants right now. Well, that would be incredible if they mm-hmm. could. And those bank accounts would allow them to just keep growing their enterprise and supporting them more, right? It will help them... Um, with a lot of things, they can start selling online, which is a big barrier right now. We cannot, you know, sell mugs online. And also the way District Mugs pays these individuals is by checks. And so every time they cash their checks, they lose some money. And so we are trying to get them to have bank accounts so that we can actually deposit money into their bank accounts. And, you know, payments are faster. That way checks are not lost in the mail and uh, you know, people have the money for use as soon as possible. Yeah. Potentially, would you ever want more partnerships like, what is it, ministries? That's going to be at Union Station? The ministry, the yeah. ministry? Yeah, we definitely look for that. But in the last few months, we've been struggling to keep up with the demand for our mugs, which is which is a great kind of a problem to have. Yeah. You know, we, we have more demand for our mugs than we can actually uh, produce or we've been able to produce so, you know, we've strategically been trying to develop these partnerships as and when, you know, we have more and more people to produce the mugs. You know, we definitely are open to having more people sell our coffee mugs. Definitely. Cool. Also, if you're listening and you have a coffee shop, <laughs> definitely partner with District Mugs, right? And get their great mugs. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, is there anything else you'd like to say now that you have all of the podcast listeners listening? Well, thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I love talking about district mugs. I'm very, definitely very passionate about the cause. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to do as much as I can. But if anyone out there has any ideas or any contribution or any suggestions for district mugs, we would definitely love to hear you. You can reach us on Instagram. Our Instagram account is just district mugs or reach out to us on Facebook. Uh, the pages again just called district mugs 
or look up our website districtmarks.org if you could make a donation the link is on our website districtmarks.org and uh, yeah thank you so much for having me here and listening to me when you heard it from Shreya check District Mugs out on their website Facebook or Instagram stay up to date on Drip by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Drip DC Podcast. Lastly, check out our website at dcdrippodcast.com. A quick thanks to the people who support this endeavor. Music by The Broke Royals, artwork by Rebecca Silverstein, creative support by Wesley Stukenbroker, and editing by Steve Stewart. Thanks so much, and keep brewing community. Community.